the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Illinois is set to become the first state in the country to eliminate cash bail with the Safety Act. This new law comes as crime is skyrocketing in the state's largest city. President Joe Biden celebrates passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and sees Wall Street dive by more than a thousand points. Any American who eats uh, knows that this is a problem. Attorney Ken Starr, known for his investigation into the Whitewater scandal during the Clinton administration, dies at 76. Use of the complications from surgery, this according to his family. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, September 14th. I'm Mike Scott. On Tuesday in Chicago, one was killed and six others wounded following a shooting in a West Side Park. The city continues to experience a major uptick in crime. And it's drawing new attention to a new Illinois law set to go into effect in January of 2023. Last year, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker signed into law the bill known as the Safety Act. One of the provisions in the law eliminates cash bail, which will make Illinois the first state in the country to do so. In Illinois' effort to lead the country in dismantling systemic racism. However, the new law is not without its detractors. The suburban mayor of Orland Park, Keith Pekow, also running for Congress, sounded the alarm on what he believes will be the dangers facing citizens of the state of Illinois. As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights, And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed, and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park, Cook County, and Illinois. Rich McHugh of News Nation says that Illinois will be the first state to try to eliminate cash bail in its entirety. This is quite the issue, controversial issue in Illinois. Other states have tried to pass, have passed similar uh, reforms trying to curtail cash bail, New York and New Jersey, two among them. Uh, but Illinois is taking this uh, a step further and trying to eliminate cash bail entirely. McHugh went on to explain some of the provisions 
found in the Illinois Safety Act. The new law will restrict which crimes a person could be arrested for, will do away with the cash bail system, and ultimately means that suspects charged with 12 crimes, even some felonies, including second-degree murder, arson, aggravated battery, can be released without bail. This will make Illinois the first state in the nation to end the cash bail system. Is hereby declared passed. The Illinois Legislative Black Caucus pushed the legislation in response to the killing of George Floyd. Ben Ruddle of the ACLU of Illinois says that he believes this is a step to restore constitutional rights for some citizens. People charged with crimes are supposed to be presumed innocent until they're proven guilty. But uh, today, under our current system, that presumption is turned on its head because people who are uh, accused of a crime are uh, held in jail oftentimes uh, simply because they can't afford to pay a certain amount of money. However, Illinois Republican State Senator John Curran says that the Safety Act will only hurt minority communities. There's no racial component in this bill. So what, what this bill does is creates a catch-and-release system. And we know there are neighborhoods that, the neighborhoods, that, neighborhoods that suffer the most from systemic violent crime are minority communities that are going to have individuals released and back committing more crimes in those neighborhoods at a higher rate under this bill. I, I fail to see how that is, is addressing racism. In fact, that is going to place uh, minority communities at greater risk than they currently are. McHugh says the bill is coming as crime is on the rise in Chicago, while there is a growing shortage of police officers. This new law comes as crime is skyrocketing in the state's largest city. Chicago has seen a 38% increase in overall crime this year, over 2021. And the number of officers patrolling the city's often dangerous streets down roughly 1,000 officers. Citing burnout, low pay, and long hours, many officers are retiring or resigning. Law enforcement around the state have railed against removing cash bail from the start. McHugh does point out that in some instances, a judge can have some discretion on whether to release an alleged offender back onto the streets. This strips most uh, discretion from judges in, in, in these cases, but pretrial release can still, I want to quote from the actual law, pretrial release can still be denied when, quote, a defendant poses a specific, real, and present threat to any person or the community. So it looks like judges will have some discretion. The legislation has been sharply criticized by politicians and law enforcement across the state. Turning to the war in Ukraine, Ukrainian troops continue pushing into territory that once was controlled by Russian forces. Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials appealed for more military aid from their backers in the United States and in Europe, while the Kremlin struggled to respond to the setbacks and growing hints of domestic disquiet. According to reports, about 30 Russian municipal deputies have signed a petition calling for Russian President Vladimir Putin's resignation. The petition read, in part, we, the municipal deputies of Russia, believe that the actions of President Vladimir Putin harm the future of Russia and its citizens. We demand the resignation of Vladimir Putin from the post of President of the Russian Federation. 
Frederick Plankin, CNN's foreign correspondent, says that while the municipal deputies are low-level officials, in fact, that they're speaking out is publicly notable. It certainly is something that definitely is noteworthy as well, especially if you look at the state of the opposition in Russia right now, where many opposition officials, quite frankly, are in jail, have been sidelined or have been exiled. Also, of course, the state of the Russian uh, free media as well is one that is also dire. So just in that light, this is certainly something that is definitely noteworthy. One of the things that we do have to keep in mind that these are local officials, they're fairly low-level officials, and, and there's really not many of them who have signed this petition, but the fact that this is being done publicly at all is certainly something that is definitely noteworthy. And if you if you speak to some of the folks, uh, Russian officials, if you speak also to some of the people in Kremlin-controlled media, you do really get a sense that there is a very muted, very difficult feeling there right now as this Ukrainian counteroffensive rolls on. What the Russians have been saying is they've been calling this a reorganization of Russian forces. But you do hear some pretty critical voices also, especially among people who are very close to Vladimir Putin and who have been supporting uh, Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine as well. You look at, for instance, Chechen strongman Ramzan Kadyrov. He came out and he was absolutely angry, saying that mistakes had been made and that if things don't change, that he would take it up with a top leadership uh, of Russia, meaning, of course, Vladimir Putin himself. So you do get the sense right now that Russia is hurting. They realize that it's difficult times that they're on right now. And certainly right now you can tell that um, they see that the operation that they're doing in Ukraine is definitely in a lot of trouble at the moment, Anna. Colonel Cedric Layton explains why the Ukrainian offensive has been so successful so far. Well, this is a huge deal, Anna, and the reason that this counteroffensive is so successful is because the Ukrainians have been able to take advantage of several things. One of them is the weapons that they've gotten from the West. Uh, the U.S. and other nations, especially NATO nations, have been able to deploy weapons very quickly, and they've used these weapons, particularly in this area right here, like you were pointing out, the Kharkiv region, Anna. Uh, this is the area where a lot of that has happened. They have also used some of them here down south, but the key thing to note about these areas is that this is really protecting Ukraine's second largest city. And the more that the Ukrainians can move forward in this direction and push the Russians out, the more likely the Ukrainians are to keep this territory and the less likely it is for the Russians to actually retake the territory. Layton says that the territory for Ukraine that they have taken is strategically vital. So it is incredibly important. And, uh, let, you know, if you look at this, uh, this area right here, so everything in Ukraine is basically divided by this river, the Dnipro River, right, running right through the middle of the country. Uh, everything to the east is much easier, or at least was much easier for Russia to gain a hold of, because when they first started this, they were basically moving like this. They were moving into Ukraine from Russia. But they were unable to prosecute their advantage this way. And what this means is, this area right here, the area around Kharkiv, and then this area down in through the eastern part, this area is so important from a resources standpoint, from an industrial standpoint, and it is in essence, with the exception of the agricultural regions which cover all of this area, the most important part of Ukraine from an economic standpoint. The retired Air Force colonel says that, in his opinion, given some circumstances, he's willing to bet Ukraine can keep all of the recaptured territory. 
But let's take a look at the northeast in detail, Anna. And uh, what you have is the area around Kharkiv, which is right over here. And then you have where Melissa was in Kupiansk, which is right here, right on the line between, right now, between Russian and Ukrainian forces. The Ukrainians were able to move in this direction. This is the Russian border right here. Uh, the Ukrainians can keep this if they continue to get the weapons from the West and if the Russians continue to have supply chain failures. And if that continues to happen, then I'm reasonably confident the Ukrainians can keep this area. The war and the danger to ordinary citizens is far from over. However, according to local officials, Russian shelling is still raining down on positions from which President Vladimir Putin's troops have withdrawn. On Tuesday, President Joe Biden celebrated last month's passage of the Inflation Reduction Act in front of a gathered crowd at the White House. The move raised some eyebrows and even generated criticism due to a new government report that showed how hard it could be to bring surging prices down near pre-pandemic levels. President Biden says he believes the Inflation Reduction Act is vital. A single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. I said it then, and I'll keep saying it. With this law, the American people won and special interests lost. The president also says it is a win for working Americans. Today offers proof that the soul of America is vibrant, the future of America is bright, and the promise of America is real. It is real. It is real. Biden went on to explain that not a single Republican backed the bill that he believes will help most Americans. This bill cut costs for families, help reduce inflation at the kitchen table, because that's what they look at, how much of their monthly bills and how much do they have to pay out for their necessities. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says Democrats are focused on things that matter. Lowering costs, creating jobs, and helping them make ends meet. What are the MAGA Republicans doing over in the Capitol today? Introducing national bans on abortion. While South Dakota's Senator John Thune says he's not sure what Democrats are actually celebrating. 8.3% year-over-year increase in inflation, like that's some sort of victory. Um, And I just would remind people that uh, when President Biden took office in January of 2021, the inflation rate was 1.4%. Byron York, chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, joined the Salem Radio Network and said that while the price of gas has come down, the price is still much higher than when Joe Biden took office. Any American who eats uh, knows that this is a problem. Uh, so I think that, that we, you know, last month we saw the Biden administration try to spin that inflation had gone to zero. I mean, they literally said this. The president came out and said, zero inflation. Everybody knew that wasn't true. That's not the way inflation is measured. They're going to try to say it again if they get uh, a, better, a better number. Now, it is true that the price of gas has been going down. And, and when inflation was at its worst, people like me were saying, 
the two worst indicators of this, the two most burdensome parts of this, are the price of gas and the price of food. Anybody who tries to put gas in their car or goes to the grocery store knows this is a terrible situation. So half of that has gotten better, although gas is still a good deal higher than it was when Joe Biden took office. York goes on to say that the White House shouldn't really be taking any victory laps as the price of food is still high and going higher. On the other hand, uh, the, the food prices, I mean, are just just extraordinary. And everybody knows that. So I just don't think Democrats will be able to try this, this month, as they tried last month, to claim that inflation is somehow zero. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina introduced legislation on Tuesday that would institute a federal ban on abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Reigniting debate on an issue Republicans have worked to put to the side before midterm elections in which abortion rights have become a potent issue. Daybreak Insider Washington correspondent Ed Donahue has more on this story. The South Carolina Republican says after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, a nationwide abortion ban should be federal law. At 15 weeks, pretty much strong majority of Americans believe abortion should be the exception, not the rule. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says it's wildly out of step with where the majority of Americans are. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell did not immediately embrace Graham's abortion ban bill. Most of the members of my conference prefer that this be dealt with state level. Graham's legislation has almost zero chance of becoming law. Ed Donahue, Washington. The former security chief at Twitter told Congress that the social media platform is plagued by weak cyber defenses. That makes it vulnerable to exploitation by teenagers, thieves, and spies, and put the privacy of its users at risk. Peter Mudge Zatko, a respected cybersecurity expert, appeared before the Senate Judiciary Committee to lay out his allegations on Tuesday. His message echoed one brought to Congress against other social media giants last year. But unlike that Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen, Zatko hasn't brought troves of internal documents to back up his claims. Zatko was head of security for the influential platform until he was fired early this year and says the platform has two fundamental security issues. They don't know what data they have, where it lives, or where it came from, and so, unsurprisingly, they can't protect it. And this leads to the second problem, which is the employees then have to have too much access to too much data and to too many systems. You can think of it this way, which is it doesn't matter who has keys if you don't have any locks on the doors. Zatko says the company's executives have dismissed key security problems. Twitter leadership ignored ignored its engineers because key parts of leadership lacked the competency to understand the scope of the problem. But more importantly, their executive incentives led them to prioritize profits over security. Zatko went on to say that Twitter has glaring security issues that threaten everyone. When an influential media platform can be compromised by teenagers, thieves, and spies, and the company repeatedly creates security problems on their own, this is a big deal for all of us. Illinois U.S. Senator Dick Durbin agreed, saying the whistleblower is laying out serious flaws at Twitter.
flaws that may pose a direct threat to the safety and privacy of Twitter's hundreds of millions of users, as well as America's national security. The news comes as the majority of Twitter shareholders voted in favor of Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover deal, valued at $54.20 a share on Tuesday. The White House is making contingency plans in case a rail worker strike goes into effect on Friday. Daybreak Insider White House correspondent Greg Clugston is following this developing story. The Biden administration warns that a shutdown of the U.S. rail system would be harmful to the economy. A shutdown would have a tremendous impact on our supply chains. Spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre says the White House is working with truckers and air shippers to see how to keep goods moving in case of a rail shutdown. President Biden has spoken with both the companies and the unions, urging them to avert a strike. Greg Clugston, Washington. Tuesday, Ken Starr, noted attorney and legal authority who helped impeach a president and defended another from the same fate, passed away. His family released a statement that reads, in part, we are deeply saddened with the loss of our dear and loving father and grandfather, whom we admired for his prodigious work ethic, but always put family first. Starr's son Randall said in a statement, the love and energy and sense of humor and fun-loving interest Dad exhibited to each of us was truly special. And we cherish his many wonderful memories we were able to experience. He is now with his Lord and Savior. Neil Cavuto of Fox News reacted to the news of the passing of Ken Starr. Sad news we have to pass along here. Ken Starr, uh, the former independent counsel who led that publicized investigation of Bill Clinton, He's died at uh, 76 years old. Apparently he died at Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center in Houston to complications from surgery. This according to his family. You might recall uh, that he also served as Solicitor General and a federal judge during a decades-long career. But it was the investigation of the so-called Whitewater scandal that engulfed the Clinton administration and eventually led to the first impeachment of a U.S. president in more than a century. Ken Starr was the one behind that investigation that prompted that entire impeachment affair. Starr leaves behind his wife, Alice, three children and nine grandchildren. His family said he will be buried at the Texas State Cemetery in Austin. Ken Starr was 76. And finally... Tuesday marked the 26-year anniversary of the death of Tupac Shakur, a rap artist who, to many, was the greatest to ever hold a microphone in the hip-hop world. On September 7, 1996, Shakur was hit by four bullets in a drive-by shooting at an intersection one block off the Las Vegas Strip while leaving a Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand Plaza. He was only 25. Now, two Las Vegas-based podcasts are teaming up to offer a $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person who shot and killed rapper Tupac Shakur. David Kohlmeyer, producer of the Problem Solver Show and a retired police officer, says that while this 
is their most high-profile plea for information. They generally want to encourage people to come forward with information that may be able to solve old, unsolved cases like Tupac Shakur's. You know, one of the things we're doing with the Problem Solver Show is offering reward money as an incentive for people to come forward with different tips and information on different Las Vegas crimes or unsolved you know, mysteries with uh, people that may be missing as well. It's something new with the Problem Solver Show because I'm a retired police officer to add a little bit of a crime prevention initiative, a little bit of a marketing strategy to get people to speak about old cases. Now, Tupac's case is remaining open. It's not closed. You know, there's different conspiracy theories. The bottom line is it is still an open case. If we had information that who did it, they could still close the case out even if the person was deceased that was the suspect. So it is still an open case. We wouldn't be doing this if it was case was closed, of course, right? Right. So it still remains open. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.